So, as we discussed in an earlier podcast, I think in my first one about uh, me being Scott Hume, where I grew up, uh, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit more about me and, and some of the experiences I had growing up because I was working with my son Ethan today and we're just working away at home on the ranch doing our thing and and we start discussing different things and and different experiences and and whatnot and basically what I've concluded is is I like my life I like who I am I like what I do I like my family I like my occupation I like where I live and I'm not going to apologize to anybody for anything, any part of it, because it's mine. It's it's who I am. It's what I do. And so, if I as I've done some of these podcasts, I've you know kind of went off on different subjects and different things, and I've got a lot of messages and feedback from people saying they like it. Maybe you don't like it. I don't know. But uh, as as uh, as I go through life and I get older, you know. Don't ever forget that that the rivers make the canyons, okay? Like the Grand Canyon was forged by the mighty Colorado River. And that river was so mighty that over the years, millions of years, tens of years, I don't even know how long the Grand Canyon's been out there, but over the years, the the river has forged that canyon. And it has made it mighty. So all the while that you might think that it's hard, that something's always pushing on you, that something's always grinding on you, that's just part of life. And it's going to make you. So where I grew up, for those of you that didn't know, in the high mountains of Idaho, uh, very southeast corner, the very, very farthest southeast corner of Idaho you could get. So we were about, you know, six inches from Wyoming and about, 12 inches from Utah, and it was very cold, uh, you know, like an average summer day might get to be 80, 85, uh, I don't know that it'll reach 90, I remember a time or two it's reached 100 in that valley, but generally in the summer it's a dry heat, uh, 80, 85, um, average summer day, uh, get down to maybe 50 or in the 40s at night, and then, um, so cool, cool summer nights, uh, 6,500 feet elevation probably, give or take right there. I know it's over 6,000. The, the uh, uh, winter times, average winter, probably had three foot of snow. It usually, usually our first snow would come sometime in September, and then it'd go away and come and go, come and go until about November. I remember many times having a foot or two of snow at Thanksgiving, and it'd stay all the way until April. And usually you weren't mowing the lawns until May. Uh, I remember a lot of times it just seemed like Memorial Day was was the official lawn mowing weekend of the year. So, high mountains, very pretty, beautiful water, cattle, um, agriculture is a primary source of income for most people, and so very very small population. And I used to ride my horse up in the mountains above my house, above town there every day, and there was. You know, a handful of times that, um, you know, I'd spend the night on the mountain or something. And, and when I wasn't very old either. I mean, I first started kind of doing my own campouts with my own horses when I was about 10 or 12. And, you know, I had a little little fort built up along a 
canal bank where we used to go play around and, and uh, those experiences that I had like I think I roped my first deer when I was 15 or maybe 16 years old um, it was pretty fun I roped deer and elk and I remember one time so there's a place right there over on Crow Creek some relatives owned the Peterson family's relatives of ours and they owned a place a uh, big valley called Sage Valley and it was about I don't know, maybe they had four or 5,000 acres of deeded land that they owned, and they would run cattle on it all summer. And we would spend time over there, and we helped Peterson to do some cowboying over there, gathering cattle and moving cattle, and, and uh, we'd also go hunting over there. Well, one time my dad and I were over there. We took a couple of friends hunting for an elk over there, and uh, we jumped a cow and a calf moose. And so me and my dad took off after this moose because we were going to rope it and I was probably 13 or 14 and me and my dad there we go just down the hill and took off after this cow and calf moose hauling ass we were going to rope her and, you know and my dad went to head her and he missed he didn't quite get close enough to her and he missed her right when she got into the quaking aspen trees he threw his loop and hit a branch and, but it, it was good experience a lot of people say, what the hell are you going to do with the moose when you rope it? Well, we're going to head it and heal it, stretch it out, and notch its ears and let it go. So if you think that's mean, sorry. Um, I think there's a lot of other cruel things in the world. Uh, so anyways, that's the kind of experiences I had with my dad one time. That same weekend, we were up there. Uh, so, so we drove into Crow Creek. And we parked at Mance Bagley's because there was a little two-track dirt road that went up over the hill into Sage Valley. And we were taking these two friends of ours elk hunting. My dad and I didn't have tags that year for a rifle. We were just guiding them in. And um, the road was too muddy, too snowy and muddy to get into the cabin there, into the old house cabin up there in Sage Valley. So... Oh, four or five miles away, Vance Bagley lived there on Crow Creek. So we parked at Vance's trucks and trailers, and we unloaded there and put all our stuff on a pack horse, and we rode up over the hill, and we just packed in there. And there was probably four or five inches of snow. And, and uh, actually, no, that's not right. I think it was just raining. And then, the next, and then that night, after we got in there and got under, everything unpacked and got settled in the cabin, then the next morning we got up and there was four or five inches of snow or maybe six inches. So we go out there to catch our horses right at first light. And I loved staying in that cabin up there in Sage Valley. It was this big, beautiful valley, mountains all around, pine trees, quake and aspen, chuck full of elk, deer, big, big bucks, uh, coarse bears and mountain lions, you know, were up there. And uh, we're up there and, and getting our horses caught that morning. We, I remember I stepped outside. My dad woke us up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I stepped outside to go to the bathroom and take a pee outside. And I'm going to write my name in the snow, you know. And uh, we, we go ahead and, and, I, and I'm just standing there. And it was cold, but I didn't want to go back in because the elk were bugling like crazy in first part of October and the elk were bugling like crazy. It was just awesome to listen to it. Like I've, I've woke up so many times in the early, early wee hours of the morning to get ready to go hunting up there in the fall and, and you could hear those elk out there in that meadow just a bugling like crazy. Just screaming their guts out. Them big bulls would come down there and, and they'd graze in that meadow at night and they'd fight over cows and everything. And 
And so anyways, we catch our horses right at first light. We had breakfast that morning, bacon and egg, you know, and all that. And we, we go to catch our horses. And I, I had this old bay horse named Rhythm. Good sucker. Really, really good horse. And uh, there was this creek that you had to cross. to, And uh, so we, I tiptoed across the rocks that were sticking up above the water. And, I mean, this creek was ice cold. Ice cold. Crystal clear and beautiful, but ice cold. And I go out there, and I catch my horse, and I come leading him back. And I'm just a, kind of trotting along there. And, and that horse is trotting along right behind, along behind me. And I come to the creek, and I don't even break stride or slow down. I just keep kind of skipping along, and I just kind of skip across those rocks that are that are going across that creek. And I figured old Rhythm would just follow me right across them creeks like that. Well, I get halfway across there, and old Rhythm decided he wasn't going, and I wasn't looking back, and he just stops. And I got a hold of my lead rope, and I go hit the end of that rope, and I go flat on my back right in the water. And it's not very deep. Like I said, it's only six or eight inches deep. But I was soaking wet right there, right now, and chilled to the bone. And my dad was so mad at me. He was so pissed off and disgusted. Because anybody that's been hunting much knows that when you're hunting, you've got maybe an hour, hour and a half of really good hunting first daylight. And then you've got an hour of hunting at dark and in the middle of the day most of the animals are nocturnal because of the pressure from hunting so you they're just not out and about moving around so it's kind of a kind of a funny bad deal funny when i look back on it so i went in the house and took my clothes off and i didn't have a change of clothes that were fresh and clean but i put on my clothes that i wore the day before because they were dry at least and i put my other clothes by the fire and we let them dry out while we hurry saddle horses so it delayed us about 15 minutes and my dad was kind of pissed off about it but he should have been you know i wasn't mad at my dad for being pissed off i know it was an accident or whatever but you can still get pissed off at accidents because it was unnecessary learning part for me big 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 part of learning so anyways uh we go out there and, and we're hunting that morning and we hadn't been gone from that cabin very long and, and uh my dad sent a guy that was with us named Steve. He was the father of a guy named Nick. And, and uh, he sent the, Steve around one draw, and he said, if there's any elk up in this deal, you're going to push them out, and we'll catch them when they come through that saddle and draw on the other side. So he sends him on his horse that way, and, and we're riding along. And I had my grandmother's old Remington single-shot 22 that I was brought to shoot some sage hens or ruffle grouse, blue grouse, whatever we come across for a little bit of eating. And we uh, see a five-point bull elk. And I'll never forget that bull. He wasn't very far away. He was about 50 yards away. And all the leaves had pretty much fallen off the quakey trees. So even though it had snowed, it had shook a lot of those golden leaves off of the trees in that snowstorm and stuff. So it was kind of a real, real beautiful setting. It was a bull elk walking through some quaking aspen trees with pines around, too. And... The snow was littered with golden quaking aspen leaves that had fell off in that storm the night before. It was just a beautiful picture. And we stopped. We see this elk, and we just stop. And my dad says, Nick, get off your horse. Because Nick was the one with the gun, with the, with the tag. We were just guiding him in. So 
and of course gets off his horse. My dad says, get your gun out. <laughs> so he goes ahead and gets his gun out. And right when he was pulling his gun out, um, that elk kind of caught wind of everything that was going on and just kind of trotted off to the quake. So he says, let's run over to the other side. We loped our horses up over the top of the hill to catch them on the other side. And actually, he never popped out of that thick grove of pine trees. So so we never, that patch of pines he went into, he never come out of. So we don't know what happened to him. But we, we did end up, he did, Nick did shoot an elk that day. He just didn't shoot that one. But. You know, those times of early getting up early in the morning when it was freezing cold and catching your horse in the snow. And I know it's pretty to look at from a picture or from a car window or something. But when you're out there in it and doing it, it's colder than shit. And um, those are the experiences that, that built me. You know, I'll never forget that same day we rode across the valley and we in across Sage Valley that day. And we rode up Clear Creek which emptied into that meadow there. And there was all these beaver ponds going up to the uh, head of Clear Creek there. And there was all these beaver ponds. And I'll never forget in that snowstorm, seeing it cooled off. The next day it cooled off because the snow, uh, the clouds went away. So it was probably 10 to 15 degrees that next day in the morning and then it probably warmed up to about 40 the next day and the snow kind of melted off at the end of the day but but we were up there going up clear creek and we're riding along and we're looking for some elk and, and those beaver ponds the water was so clear and so beautiful and they were just a deep dark royal blue almost looking and it was just so i'll never forget how pretty those beaver ponds looked and every now and then you'd see a fish jump, but for the most part they were totally still, and it was so quiet and so peaceful. And we just rode. Of course, you're hunting, so you don't talk. You know, I know some people yak away and stuff when they're hunting, but my dad was real serious about keeping quiet. He always said them elk and deer can hear tons better than we can, so we gotta, you know, be real quiet. Maybe that's a Choctaw Indian in or something. I don't know, but but anyways, uh, that's that's what it was you know is, is it was a beautiful place and i got to spend so many days and weekends and even weeks up there in sage valley and uh moving cows hunting elk fixing fence whatever um and i was you know spent spent uh, a lot of time over there on crow creek with vance bagley dr yearlings uh he'd run a lot of beef cattle out there in the summertime he'd just rope in dr yearlings every day for neither peacock to foot rot to brisket disease whatever they had you know if uh we just rope in dr yearlings and that that'll make a cowboy out of you that'll make a man out of you you know um when you smoke in there across a, a slick meadow and you're doing 150 miles an hour on a horse and you rope a big old yearling steer around the neck that's about 900 pounds and when you dally and you stop even the back of your saddle comes off your horse about eight inches you're going to realize you're tied on to something big and heavy and uh it makes a cowboy out of you it makes a man out of you but that's some of the experiences that i had growing up and so i, I didn't grow up cutting which is what i'm mostly into now but we still have a ranch and we still do a lot of ranch work but you know, I, I wonder at times, not trying to throw rocks at anybody here, but I wonder at times how many people in the National Cutting Horse Association 
actually have working cattle ranches, actually really do even own their own cattle. You know, we're talking raise, buy bulls, buy cows, raise calves, ship calves, probably not very many. And so I'm not saying that I'm better than them or worse than them or whatever. I'm just saying to me, you know, the experiences I had growing up, trailing cattle, like I remember a couple of times we trailed cattle home from Sage Valley and they'd ship their calves from Crow Creek the Peterson family had, and then they trailed their cattle home to Cokeville, Wyoming, from Sage Valley. And so we would usually gather and come out of Sage Valley the first day and go to, like, the Krells on the halfway house, by the halfway house. And you'll just have to study what the halfway house is. Anyways, and then we'd go to the halfway house. Uh, I guess I'll tell you, the halfway house is between Montpelier and, and Afton, and it was kind of a midway point for people that were freighting uh, the old timers freighting goods or whatever back and forth on wagons with horses from Montpelier to Afton, Wyoming. So, so uh, from Montpelier, and they'd go on Crow Creek. So we'd trail them to the halfway house. There's a set of trails there. We'd overnight them at the halfway house, and then the next day we'd we'd get up. And usually this is in November when you're trailing home, so it's cold. Usually snow on the ground. Rarely above freezing. Usually between. I think one year we got up to take off from the halfway house, and they said it was like 10 below. And then, of course, it warmed up to like 20 or something in the day. You're just riding along there, clear up in the most beautiful, picturesque Yellowstone ecosystem setting you could ever imagine. And then the next day, the second day, we would trail them over to Geneva to uh, usually the Half Circle Ranch, and we would overnight them at the Half Circle Ranch. And then from there, we'd trail them on to Cokeville. And that was it was a three-day drive. So probably, I couldn't even tell you how many miles, maybe 60, I don't know, 70 miles, I don't know. Um, that's, that's the stuff I grew up doing, and, and it made a cowboy out of me. And so I didn't grow up riding to the herd at Will Rogers Coliseum, or I didn't grow up, you know, pre-rodeoing in Tucson or Oakdale. But I grew up in the mountains being a cowboy, and I, and I told my son today, I said, he said, do you wish you'd have grown up in Texas where we live now? And I says, no, I don't. I, I love the way I grew up. I love the experiences that I had. You know, um, packing into the headwaters of the Yellowstone River, which is not, the Yellowstone River is not in Yellowstone Park, okay? Part of it might be for a little while, but as long as that river is, Yellowstone Park is a fraction of what the Yellowstone River covers. And the headwaters of the Yellowstone River, we would go to Turpin Meadows above Moran there, and we would unload at Turpin. It's all designated wilderness, so you can't drive in. It's about a 40-mile horse ride in. We'd usually camp at the Hawks or Ash or on Bridger Lake or something like that. So I'll never forget one time I was I was heading in there and I was probably 19, I think, or was I 20? I was 19 or 20 that summer and I was I was leading a pack string in there and we were heading into the headwaters of Yellowstone River and right there at the upper end of the North Fork Meadows in the creek, a bear stood up, a, a sow grizzly. She had a cub with her, and she just stood up in the creek. I kind of surprised her. She kind of surprised me. It scared her, and she ran off. But this horse I was riding bogged his head and went to bucking. And uh, old bones could buck now. And if there was ever an inspiration in my life to ride a bucking horse, it was, it was right then. <laughs> because I knew if I fell off, I was bear bait, literally. So so uh, I did stay on him. But, uh, yeah, great experiences. Um you know, me and my dad spent a lot of time hunting together, moving cows together, doing ranch work, uh, as I did with my brothers and my and some of my close, close friends. Scott Wells is one that I 
had so many wonderful experiences cowboying with. Um, you know, great times. Uh, obviously, the Skinner boys, we grew up doing that that stuff together. So, uh, and then, of course, my, my Wyoming family, I call it the Broadhead family, which is truly my Wyoming family, just wonderful friends and, and uh, great people, great horsemen, great cowboys, great ropers. Um, the the times that we spent, one time me and uh, Dustin Broadhead, you know, um, we had so many good experiences, but, but uh, I mean, we used to go right up on the mountain and we'd, we'd go up in, after dark, we'd stay till after dark, just weighing on top of a mountain and discussing who we wanted to marry and how we wanted to rodeo and rope and do things and and just laying there looking at the sky you know um wintertime summertime it didn't matter we were just cowboys we were, we were maybe tougher than some kids not as tough as others or whatever um so great great experiences you know very very blessed to be able to grow up the way i did in rural america and then you know wyoming and idaho and uh enjoy all those things you know pretty much every day i was a horseback doing something and i loved it and you know to be able to brand calves and sort cows and gather cows and, you know another dear friend that passed away um was mike boris and mike took me riding a lot he was one of my grandpa's dear friends and when my grandpa died um mike took me riding and cowboy quite a little so i always be forever grateful to Mike Boris for that, um, you know, and, and uh, the experiences of, of, you know, learning how to build fence. Fred Wells was one that taught me how to build fence. And, I mean, from, you know, we'd cut down pine trees and build our own, you know, make our own fence posts and poles out of them. Um, all those experiences, hard work. Is what it boils down to. It's a hard way to live, but it's a good good way to be raised. So, just I can give you all my opinions and experiences and you know whatever else, but but those experiences that I'm grateful for. You know, I had a school teacher in the fifth grade named Nancy Hume that loved border collie dogs, and she was a relative, and uh, she was a fifth grade teacher and the most remarkable woman. And that's where my love for border collie dogs started with Nancy Hume, and then, of course, Dustin Broadhead gave me my first Border Collie dog, a uh, female named Lucky, and uh, I think she had a little bit of cur in her. I think he said he, she had a little bit of black mouse cur and maybe a tick of Kelpie, but mostly Border Collie, and then, uh, you know, I've always kind of had, I've, I've, I've actually had raised and bred Border Collies for damn near 30 years now due to that, that first one. Um, so a lot of those experiences that I have, there's a little bit of history behind them, but, but good times. You know, loping horses through the snow. Me and Dustin Broadhead used to go out there and we'd lope our rope horses to keep them in shape. And we'd just throw a halter on them, jump on them bareback, and we'd go lope through two or three foot of snow down in some big old meadow or something completely covered with snow. There, like below his barn, which he lived in Fairview, Wyoming, which was in Star Valley. Um, but, but, uh, I mean, shit, there's mountain lions around, and, and it was cold, and and if your horse bucked you off, you Lord knows where he'd run off to, because there's so much country up there, but, um, 
we just go up there and lope horses around 30, 40 minutes every night. And we come back to the barn, jump on another one, just jump on bareback of the halter, take off and go loping around. And uh, keep them in shape, keep them fit. Uh, great times. Just just great times. I'll never, ever, ever be ungrateful for where I grew up. It's so wonderful. And so, uh, you know, the big thing is, I'm going to tell you that the old man told me one time, the secret to life, the, the, the trick to getting blessings is to be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. It's okay to want more, but you got to be grateful for that which you already have. So if you can listen to this podcast, you obviously have access to technology and freedom, so that's something to be grateful for. But I just hope that gives you, sheds a little bit of light on some the way I grew up. Uh, we're going to go back to work. My boy's eating lunch and I'm not eating lunch today because I'm in the middle of a 24-hour fast, which is something I do once a week. I just don't eat anything for 24 hours straight. It just is better for me. I drink some water, but that's it. So cleans cleans my system out and makes me appreciate good food as well. So, Anyways, I hope that helps you. This is Scott Hume, and I'm somewhere on the plains of Texas. Have a good one, folks.